Hi, and welcome to the Yak Fantasy Football Podcast. Yak isn't yakking like talking too much, and also like yards after catch. It's a double entendre, guys. I'm Ted, and today we're going to talk about what happened during week three of the NFL season and fantasy on the whole. I'm going to go through my studs and duds from every game. I have a few honorable mentions here and there, and I'll also mention guys that you might want to think about grabbing off of waivers. I'll be calling those guys my waiver warriors, and those will mostly be guys that could be available in deeper dynasty or keeper leagues. I watched as much as I could from every game through NFL Red Zone, so I'm not just box score watching here as well, as I've mentioned in the last two weeks. So with that out of the way, let's get into it. We're going to start with Thursday night's game between the Giants and San Francisco. My studs in that game, Matt Breida and Brock Purdy. So Matt Breida, four carries, 17 yards, one touchdown, three receptions on three targets for one yard. Good for about nine points in half PPR. Not the greatest outcome, but there wasn't really much to pick from for the Giants. And he scored the touchdown, their only touchdown on the night, so I had to go with him. Really not much else I can say about it. And then Brock Purdy, 25 of 37, 310 yards, two touchdowns, four carries for negative one yards. He started off shaky, but he really picked it up later on in the game. They slowed things down for him with some quick screens, things like that. And after that, he was just absolutely dealing. His throw to Ronnie Bell for the touchdown and his throw to Debo Samuel uh, specifically were just absolute dimes of throws and uh, really impressive from a guy who has a limited physical skill set like Brock Purdy. My duds in this game were Daniel Jones, and I didn't have one for the 49ers. I couldn't really reasonably find one that you expected to play really well and didn't. So just getting into Daniel Jones really quickly for the Giants, 22 of 32, 137 yards, one interception, two carries for five yards. He wasn't helped all that much by the offensive line or his receivers, but he also didn't play well himself. His interception was... uh, a pass that was ricocheted off of his receiver's hands into the defender's hands, so you can't blame him too much there, but he really struggled to get anything going for the team, and he couldn't even get it going on the ground, which is something that you expect him to be able to fall back on. And then, really quickly here, waiver warriors for this game, Ronnie Bell, the wide receiver, rookie wide receiver for San Francisco, he had two receptions, And a touchdown in this game, not a ton of production, but the touchdown was good. And he did catch a reception off of uh, the hands of another receiver who couldn't haul it in. And he looked solid in the game for what he was asked to do. I don't expect too much from him, but just somebody to keep an eye on, especially in deeper dynasty leagues. The next game here, Indianapolis and Baltimore. My studs from this game were Zach Moss and Lamar Jackson. So starting off with Zach Moss, 30 carries, 122 yards, two receptions on three targets for 23 yards and one touchdown receiving. Really great game from Moss here. He's stepping in well for Jonathan Taylor while whatever that situation is is working itself out. And he's really taken over the backfield here. Trey Sermon, the only other back to get carries, only had five carries in this game. Otherwise, everything went to Zach Moss. And he delivered it against a really tough defense. He looked to have good power and good vision, which are something that I thought he struggled with in Buffalo, uh, but good for him for resurrecting his career. And the touchdown catch was really special too. Really tight coverage, uh, a throw that Gardner Minshew put in really only a place where Zach Moss could get it, and he came down with it. Really good game by him. 
then Lamar Jackson for Baltimore, 22-31, 202 yards passing, 14 carries for 101 yards rushing, two touchdowns, and a fumble loss. Wasn't his best game as far as winning the game for Baltimore, but he had a ton of production, especially on the ground and those two rushing touchdowns. Those make a huge difference. That was good for about 28 points in standard leagues, and it was just a really solid performance from Lamar. Typically, I don't go with guys who are known studs, but there wasn't really anybody else who stood out from this game, so it had to be Lamar Jackson. And then duds in this game, I've got Alec Pierce, a return guest on the duds list, and Rashad Bateman for Baltimore. So Pierce, three receptions for seven yards and 43 yards. He just didn't get involved all that much. He's been disappointing to start the year, especially coming off of a solid rookie year. It, his point production was good for about five points in half PPR, and he had a really good opportunity to haul in a contested touchdown catch where he had it in his hands from Gardner Minshew, and he dropped it. And that's been happening all too often with Alec Pierce this year. He's a guy who's got the size to make the contested catches, but he doesn't seem to come down with them, and that's really disappointing given what his skill set seemingly should be. And then Rashad Bateman, one reception on three targets for only six yards. OBJ didn't play in this game, so you thought maybe Rashad Bateman would have more opportunity in this game, and the lead receiver was Zay Flowers instead in this game, which I expected. He's a slot receiver, and Lamar seems to have chemistry with him. But Bateman has chemistry with Lamar as well, and it's really disappointing to see the start for the year for Bateman here, especially when he showed so much promise before he had all these injuries in the last couple of years. Then just really quick mention of uh, Matt Gay, the kicker for Indianapolis. He was good for 24 points, 5 of 5 on his field goals. He made 4 field goals from 50-plus, which is crazy. Uh, just an insane game from him, and he really helped them pull this one out. Tennessee and Cleveland. Studs in this game. I didn't have one for Tennessee. That's how bad it was for them. And for Cleveland, it was Amari Cooper. So just talking about Amari Cooper quickly, seven of eight receptions for 116 yards and one touchdown. He got behind the defense a couple times and looked great in this game. He had really good chemistry with Deshaun Watson in this game. And it was finally a showing that you were expecting from those two connecting in this game. Then my duds for Tennessee, I had plenty to choose from, but I went with Derrick Henry. And for the Browns, I went with Donovan Peoples-Jones. For Derrick Henry, quickly, 11 carries for 20 yards, good for only two points, and really disappointing when you consider that Derrick Henry, when all else fails, he is the one thing that is dependable in this offense. When everything else is a dud, he is the one thing that you can count on consistently, and even then you couldn't count on him in this game. So disappointing to see from him, but he can't do it all himself, so you kind of understand how it happens. Then Peoples-Jones, three receptions on four targets for 49 yards. Good for about six points and half PPR. Just a mad performance from him, and he's had a bunch of mad performances to start the year here, and he's supposed to be the number two wide receiver in this offense. Of course, Amari Cooper hasn't had really good performances until this week, though, so you can kind of put a lot of that on the offense as a whole and Deshaun Watson as the quarterback up to this point. 
And then speaking of Watson, I do, even though I don't want to, uh, just considering the type of person he is, give him his flowers. Uh, 27 of 33, 289 yards, two touchdowns. A really good game from Watson, and he passed the eye test too. It wasn't one where things were wide open for him. He was actually throwing some really good throws down the field, some absolute dimes down the field, down the sideline. Uh, it was vintage to Sean Watson, so as much as I don't want to want to admit it he had a really great game so I wanted to mention that and then for waiver warriors might be too late in most leagues but Kareem Hunt was signed late in the week by the Browns to be the backup running back to Jerome Ford uh, he had five carries for 13 yards two receptions on three targets for 22 yards good for about four and a half points I don't expect too much from him but he's probably worth a pickup if you have the space on your bench Atlanta and Detroit my studs in this game, Kyle Pitts and Sam Laporta, the tight ends. And I'll be real here, there wasn't much to pick from for Atlanta, so I went with Kyle Pitts just kind of as a moral victory of leading the team in receiving. Five receptions on nine targets for 41 yards, good for about six points and half PPR. Not a great performance still. It's still disappointing to see the lack of... Uh, production that he's getting but he was the leading receiver it did seem like they were making a concerted effort to get him the ball it just wasn't happening consistently and you can put a lot of that on Desmond Ritter but on the other side Sam Laporta the tight end for Detroit had a coming out party eight receptions on 11 targets for 84 yards and one touchdown he looked great he was catching everything that went his way and he had good yards after catch opportunities in this game he was good for about 18 points and half ppr and i don't know if you expected this type of performance from him but he is one of the tight ends that you expected to be able to come in right away and contribute so really good performance by him and uh looking forward to seeing what he can do going forward now my duds in this game desmond ritter and josh reynolds Starting off with Desmond Ritter, who was here recently as well. 21 of 38, 201 yards, two carries for three yards and a fumble lost. He's just not doing enough for this team. He's not doing enough for you as a fantasy quarterback. And I know a lot of people are counting on him for a super flex spot. Uh, you just can't have this kind of production that gets you about six points. And he's just inaccurate. He doesn't sense pressure well. He really doesn't seem to do anything well. He doesn't turn the ball over a lot, but that only helps you so much, especially when you're not getting touchdown production from him or production on the ground, which is something that we kind of expected from his from him as well. Then Josh Reynolds was held to no catches, no yards. Uh, I know he was dealing with an injury, but he played 70-plus percent of the snaps and seemingly as the wide receiver two in this offense currently while Jamison Williams is out. So it's disappointing to see him really not contribute in any way offensively. I don't really know what the reason was that he wasn't even targeted, but uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. New Orleans and Green Bay. My studs in this game, Chris Olave and Jordan Love. Starting with Olave, a guy who's really, at this point, getting into the territory of just bona fide week-to-week -week stud. Eight receptions on 11 targets for 104 yards, good for about 14 points and half PPR. He made an incredible one-handed catch down the right sideline from Derek Carr. The, the guy is just an absolute monster. He's a great deep threat. He's got great hands. He's able to make tough catches as well. And 
you just can't ask for more from a guy who was probably drafted in the first round of your 2022 rookie drafts. And then Jordan Love, it's not the prettiest stat line ever when you look at it on paper, but he did what he had to and he got you fantasy production. 22 of 44, 259 yards, one touchdown, one two-point conversion, also an interception, nine carries for 39 yards, and one touchdown rushing. Jordan Love looked really shaky early on in this game, but he picked it up later on and was throwing some absolute dimes. He had a bunch of goofy throws earlier in the game, but he really led them back in this game, and he found his groove, and uh, good on him. He's finding ways to win with Green Bay right now, and he's showing why they had some confidence in him after Aaron Rodgers left. And that production was good for about 24 points in standard formats. And my duds in this game, Juwan Johnson and A.J. Dillon. A repeat offender, A.J. Dillon. Uh, Juwan Johnson really quickly, two receptions on four targets for 12 yards, good for about two points and half PPR. Just disappointing start to the season overall for a guy that you had high hopes for as a tight end. He had really good production last year. Derek Carr was raving about him in the offseason. And uh, to see this, this start here is really disappointing. Then A.J. Dillon, 11 carries for 33 yards, good for about 3 points and half PPR. Just again, he had every opportunity to seize this moment with Aaron Jones out again, and he didn't do it, and he was outproduced by rookie undrafted free agents. It was sad to see. Uh, the, the guy just does not have it. I don't know what happened, but he seems to have regressed from his rookie year on. And I want to make mention of Derek Carr. He left the game with a shoulder injury, a sprained AC joint that might keep him out a couple weeks. It's not serious, but it is something that he has to work through. So in his stead, Jameis Winston is going to be starting uh, for New Orleans. Uh, in deeper leagues, Jameis Winston is probably already picked up off of waivers, but in some shallower formats, you might want to look to pick up Jameis Winston. He's probably going to be at least solid for you. Might throw a few picks, but he's probably going to throw a few touchdowns as well. Houston and Jacksonville, upset of the week. Well, one of the upsets of the week. We'll get to the other one, actually. Uh, my studs in this game, Tank Dell and Travis Etienne. So quickly on Tank Dell, five receptions on seven targets for 145 yards and a touchdown. Good for 23 points on the dot and half PPR. Really great performance from Tank Dell. He's showing immense chemistry with C.J. Stroud, and he won deep quite a few times in this game. He had an early deep throw that was close to the goal line where he was thrown open over the top of three defenders by C.J. Stroud, and then he had one where he ended up wide open down the sideline but was hit perfectly in stride by Stroud, and these two are going to be the future of the Texans. Uh, book it. They're just really up-and-coming players, uh, really showing great chemistry, and I'm excited to see what they do from here. C.J. Stroud had a great game as well. And then Travis Etienne, 19 carries for 88 yards, four receptions on five targets for 50 yards. He did it all in this game. He was super balanced in this game, good for about 15 points and half PPR, and they needed it in this game. They weren't able to come back against Houston 
but they needed a steady presence. They needed a steady run game in this game because the passing game wasn't really working, especially early on for them. Calvin Ridley was getting wrapped up in coverage. So was Christian Kirk until later in the game. So really good showing by Travis Etienne. Then my duds in this game, Nico Collins for Houston and Calvin Ridley for the Jags. Nico Collins, two receptions on three targets for 34 yards, good for about four points. I'm not too disappointed in this performance because Tank Dell showed out in this game instead. Clearly he was the one who was the beneficiary of some extra attention going to Nico Collins after how he started the season, but... You know, you did expect that a game like this is probably on the horizon. Uh, it's unfortunate that it happened so soon in the season, but I expect Nico Collins to get back on track after this week. And then Calvin Ridley, another guy who needs to get back on track. Three receptions on seven targets for 40 yards. Really, these last two games, it's been interesting. He's been peppered with targets, but they haven't been able to connect after an insane week one showing from Calvin Ridley and Trevor Lawrence so they need to figure something out they're too talented not to so I'm not too worried about it but it is gonna hurt you when you put these guys into the lineup and they're not producing the way you expect them to Denver and Miami the game where one team put up video game numbers scoring 70 points for Miami crazy game for them my studs in this game Cortland Sutton for Denver and Devon A. Chain for Miami Starting with Cortland Sutton, 8 receptions on 11 targets, 91 yards, 1 touchdown, but he did have 2 fumbles lost. The 2 fumbles lost both cost them big time in the game because it gave Miami short fields to score on, and they did. Obviously, they scored 70 points, and it also cost you 4 points, usually, in your fantasy format. So, it, this could have been close to a 20-point game instead of it. It ended up being a 15-point game, which is still good, but disappointing to see that. He was trying to make things happen on those plays. I saw them, and he was just trying to do too much when they were down. And you like the effort, but you don't like to see that from a veteran. And then Devon, I'm going to correct myself, A-Chan. Apparently, after this game, he felt enough confidence to tell the coaching staff and uh, the team that apparently his last name is pronounced... Ah-chan, which doesn't sound as fun, but either way, that's how it's pronounced, so I'm going to try to respect that. i got to kind of train myself to do that, but Devon Ah-chan, uh, very interesting. So he had his coming out party in this game, absolutely destroyed it. 18 carries, 203 yards, 2 touchdowns, 4 receptions on 4 targets for 30 yards and 2 touchdowns. He absolutely absolutely destroyed Denver's defense. He was just too fast for them. And on top of being fast, he was making great moves in the open field as well. Spinning, stiff arming, breaking ankle tackles. He was just absolutely amazing in this game. I don't expect this production to keep up, but he had 41% of the snap share, and I expect him to be in a committee here with Raheem Moster until he eventually takes over as the lead back. And this was good for about 49 points in half PPR formats. And then the duds in this game, uh, really easy for me to say here. I'm going to say everyone for Denver, for the most part, other than Sutton. Uh, Marvin Mims also had a decent game, but that was because of a return. That's something you can't really count on week to week. Everybody else 
had a really, really crappy game in this game. Russell Wilson put up enough points to put in your super flex spot, but it wasn't good. It wasn't good production. Um, and then for Miami, the duds, nobody really stood out that you'd expect to actually produce. Um, and speaking of that, I wanted to mention that Tua, Moster, and Tyreek Hill, on top of Devon Achan, it's hard to say, um, they all got over 25 points in this game. Crazy. LA Chargers and Minnesota Vikings. My studs in this game, Keenan Allen and Alexander Madison. So Keenan Allen, 18 receptions on 20 targets, 215 yards, no touchdowns, but he did have a passing touchdown to Mike Williams of 49 yards. Absolutely crazy game from Keenan Allen. He's a stud and we already knew this, but he took it to another level in this game, uh, including adding that passing touchdown. Wasn't the best throw in the world, but Mike Williams was wide open, nobody to touch him, so no harm, no foul. Uh, and he's just got this incredible chemistry with Justin Herbert. I just expect him to continue to produce all year as long as he stays healthy. And hopefully that's the case because he does have health concerns throughout his career, but he's been mostly healthy the last couple of years other than early last year. Uh, Keenan Allen has been an absolute stud, and if you have him in your dynasty leagues, you probably have him at a pretty big steal considering what he's valued at given his age and injury history. And then a guy who kind of got off the schneid here, Alexander Madison, 20 carries for 93 yards, 5 receptions on 7 targets for 32 yards, good for about 15 points. By the way, Keenan Allen was good for about 36 points. Uh, really good production from Alexander Madison here. He did have two almost fumbles, plays that it was either recovered or technically he didn't fumble because elbow or knee hit the ground first, but... This guy is just scary when it comes to that kind of stuff. And he hasn't produced up to this point. He produced against a really bad defensive line for the Chargers. Um, hopefully he can parlay this into more production going forward. But Cam Akers is waiting in the wings. Not that that's too much of a threat to him. But they did bring in Cam Akers for a reason. And it's because Madison just hasn't been getting it done. So... Kudos to him for this game, but he's got to be very careful with the ball because he's already turned it over too much to begin with. Then my duds in this game, Joshua Kelly for LA, and then I didn't really have any duds for Minnesota. Couldn't really find anybody that you'd expect to produce. So Josh Kelly, another game where he had an opportunity, kind of like A.J. Dillon, with uh, Austin Eckler out, and he did not produce. 11 carries for only 12 yards, one reception on one target for five yards. Really disappointing. He got stuffed several times, and that's a bad defensive line for Minnesota. So it's not something that you expected. You expected both of these teams to be able to run it, and only Minnesota was able to run it in this game. Really disappointing to see from Joshua Kelly, especially after I gave him a bunch of flowers in week one as a guy who could potentially be a really good 1B to the high 1A for Austin Eckler. I don't know if that's going to happen at this point. He's really not showing out as a guy who can carry any of the load on his own, so I don't know if they can trust him going forward with that. 
Then I wanted to mention Mike Williams after having a really good game in his own right, over 100 yards receiving and a touchdown. He unfortunately tore his ACL in that game, so he's out for the remainder of the year. And obviously you feel for him, but given that injury for fantasy purposes, I don't know if this guy's on waivers. Again, kind of depends on uh, the size of your league, but Joshua Palmer, maybe he is because Quentin Johnston is the guy that everybody is favoring over him in Dynasty. Uh, Joshua Palmer, the wide receiver, he's typically their wide receiver three or four. Um, He's going to have to probably step in as the wide receiver two here until Quentin Johnston can take more of a role. So if he is available, scoop him up now you're probably going to have to pay a pretty penny in a fab budget. New England and the Jets. Studs in this game, Ezekiel Elliott and Garrett Wilson. And I use that term loosely for these guys. Uh, They were just the guys that stood out the most in this game. This wasn't a really uh, star-studded game when it came to uh, studs in this game. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, 16 carries for 80 yards, one reception on one target for seven yards. Just really good production for Zeke. It's nice to see from him. It was good for about nine points. You would have liked to see a touchdown from him. That would make him a pretty solid flex play in that case. But nine points is solid for a flex as well, so you can't be too upset about it. And maybe we can trust him going forward as being a guy who kind of like Kareem Hunt in the past, you can plug in even though he's really not the starter in the offense. Then Garrett Wilson for the Jets, five receptions on nine targets for 48 yards, good for about seven points and half PPR. It was the best anybody did for the Jets. You feel for Garrett Wilson because he's more talented than this production, but he is hamstrung by... Zach Wilson, and he's also hamstrung, I think, by Nate Hackett, the offensive coordinator. And it's just sad to see that uh, he's not going to have the year that everybody expected with Aaron Rodgers. He's talented enough to pull some good games out, but I don't know, with a year of tape on him and the situation that he's got going on, plus the offensive coordinator, I just don't like that recipe. Uh, Again, got a feel for him because he is an absolutely stud talent but it's just unfortunate the situation here duds in this game juju smith schuster a repeat offender and Brees hall who was actually in this last week um juju smith schuster to start just one reception for five yards good for one point i i just don't know with this guy Uh, i don't know if it's the knees that everybody's concerned about that's not allowing him to produce Uh, He certainly doesn't have very good chemistry with Mac Jones, that's for sure. And I didn't like this signing to begin with for New England, especially when they went away from Jacoby Myers for him. And Jacoby Myers is producing with the Raiders, and Juju Smith-Schuster is doing nothing with the Patriots. I hate to say I told you so on something like this, but I just didn't like it from the beginning. It didn't seem like a good fit, and it's proving to be that right now. Then Brees Hall, 12 carries for 18 yards, one reception on two targets for nine yards. It's hard to blame Brees Hall here. He's a runner who really needs a gap to open up in the offensive line and for him to be able to accelerate into the hole and make big chunk plays. And that's not going to happen when teams are stacking the box with Zach Wilson at quarterback. 
it's just not looking good for these running backs, either Dalvin Cook or him. And it, again, unfortunate. The talent on this team is going to be dragged down because Aaron Rodgers is hurt and because their backup quarterback, the guy that they drafted to be a franchise quarterback, is arguably the worst quarterback in the league. Then I do have a waiver warrior here, although I don't know how much to put, how much stock to put into this one. Farrow Brown, the tight end for New England, two receptions on two targets for 71 yards and a touchdown. He did have a couple of nice catch and run kind of rumble plays where he was able to uh, take it to the house on one and another one he got some tough yardage by stiff arming a guy, pushing some guys, dragging tacklers, what have you. It looked okay. I don't know if he's going to continue to be productive in this offense, especially with Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki there. But just something to keep an eye on, I guess, maybe if this develops more as we go forward. Buffalo and Washington. My studs in this game, the Bills defense and special teams. And for Washington, uh, Brian Robinson. Could have gone with a couple players for the studs here, but I had to point out the Bills defense and special teams because of the special game that they had here. They had about 33 points in standard formats for the DST, and they had four interceptions off Sam Howell. They allowed only three points, and that was really only a pathetic field goal that Ron Rivera trotted them out for at the end of the game. Should have gone for it. I don't really understand the whole moral victory of getting points on the board instead of getting shut out. I think it's arguably more pathetic if you do that, but that's just me. Um, so they allowed three points. They had nine sacks on Sam Howell because he holds onto the ball forever. One forced fumble, one fumble recovery, and one touchdown on one of the interceptions from uh, defensive end A.J. Epinesa. Fantastic game from the Bills. I'm a huge Bills fan, so I obviously watched all of that game, and it was awesome to watch. Uh, but yeah, you have to shout out the defense and special teams when they have a performance like that. And then Brian Robinson, he was the only guy who put up anything worthy of note for Washington. 10 carries for 70 yards, and he ran tough in this game. Good for seven points. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't have any receiving production, didn't have any touchdown production, but he was not the problem in this game. Everything else was. Mostly Sam Howell in the offensive line. And Brian Robinson, he was able to get some good chunk runs on the Bills. And he ran very hard in this game. And that's what he's known for. He's a tough runner. He's not the fastest guy. But he's got good vision, solid contact balance. So expect better from him going forward. Especially when he had this efficiency. When everything else around him was crumbling. My duds in this game, Sam Howell, and then for the Bills, I couldn't really come up with one. Uh, so Sam Howell really quickly. Sam Howell quickly, 19 of 29 passing, 170 yards, four interceptions, one carry for 18 yards. Awful game from Sam Howell. He held on to the ball too long. He didn't see things well. He succumbed to pressure all game. And he just had some goofy plays, too. The interception returned for a touchdown. He threw basically into the hands of the Bills' defensive end, and he just trotted into the end zone. Just goofy stuff, and the Bills were all over him all game. Uh, I expect better from him going forward. He only put up about half a point, and that's really disappointing for teams that might have put them in 
put him in their super flex spot. But, man, I expressed some concerns after week one for Sam Howell and the production that he had against Arizona and how he looked against them. And those concerns showed up against the Bills big time. Just want to make mention here of James Cook. He had a 12-point game, 15 carries for 98 yards rushing. James Cook is a thing. You know, a lot of people doubted him because of his size and stature and because of the way the Bills typically use running backs. But these last couple of weeks, the usage for James Cook and the production has been really good. So, you know, he's proven people wrong. I, I love that he's doing that. And he has the talent to carry the load, even though he's not a traditional back the Bills use him in a way that allow them to use him as the lead back in this offense. And it's really good to see. And then a quick waiver warrior in this game. I have Cole Turner, the tight end for Washington. As long as Logan Thomas is out, four, four receptions on seven targets for 35 yards. Good for about five and a half points. Nothing crazy, but you can do worse for a tight end, a position that doesn't really produce. And as long as Logan Thomas is out, he is out with a concussion currently, but this guy deals with injuries all the time. Cole Turner is a pretty athletic pass catcher at tight end, so uh, it seems like he's developing a little bit. And as long as Sam Howell is targeting him and he's out there getting snap share, that's going to be a good thing for you if you pick him up. Carolina and Seattle, my studs in this game, Adam Thielen. And Kenneth Walker for Seattle. So Adam Thielen for Carolina, 11 receptions on 14 targets, 145 yards, and one touchdown. He caught pretty much everything that Andy Dalton threw his way, and he looked good doing it. He wasn't getting a ton of yards after catch or anything like that. That's not Adam Thielen's game at this point. But he's got great hands, he's still a solid route runner, and he's just a reliable target, and he showed out in this game and showed that he's still got some gas in the tank. Then Kenneth Walker, 18 carries for 97 yards, two touchdowns, three receptions on three targets for 59 yards. He basically was the offense for Seattle. They did have some receiving production from DK Metcalf, but they ran the offense through Kenneth Walker and he ran hard all day and had a really good catch and run uh, for the majority of those receiving yards. My duds in this game, Hayden Hurst, and Jackson Smith in Jigba. So Hayden Hurst in this game, one reception on three targets for 11 yards. After the first game, I sung the praises of Hayden Hurst as the stud in that game. Uh, unfortunately, he hasn't really produced since then. can kind of blame this on Bryce Young being out and Andy Dalton stepping in and not really having that chemistry with him. But still a little disappointing to see for a starting tight end in the NFL. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba, one reception on three targets for 10 yards. He just really wasn't involved in this game. You're still waiting for the JSN breakout. He's talented enough to do it. And I know he's got some really good receivers in front of him. But you're just waiting for the day that he's actually going to show out as the stud that he actually is. But I believe in the talent. I'm going to be patient with it. And everybody who owns him should be too. Then just quick mention of Andy Dalton stepping in for Bryce Young. He had 361 yards and two touchdowns, good for about 23 points in this game. Really good game for a fill-in. If you had Bryce Young and you picked up Andy Dalton, 
off of waivers, you were probably thrilled because it's better than anything Bryce Young has done to this point. Not to crap on Bryce Young. He's a rookie. He's learning. He's got his own limitations. And that's all there on top of the fact that Andy Dalton is a veteran who's been there, done that. You expect some solid production from him. But definitely a nice surprise from Andy Dalton. And if Bryce Young isn't good to go for next week, you can count on him for next week as well. Dallas and Arizona. My studs in this game were Michael Gallup and James Conner. So Gallup had six receptions on seven targets for 92 yards in this game. And I'm happy for Michael Gallup in this game. He looked good. He was able to get yards after catch. He looked better than he has in a very long time. And... Happy for him because this is a guy who was coming off of some devastating injuries in the past and hadn't looked like himself for the better part of two years. So it's good to see him possibly coming back into form here. Then James Conner, 14 carries, 98 yards, one touchdown, two receptions on two targets for 18 yards. This guy was the focal point of the offense. He ran absolutely hard, and he somehow despite whatever situation is going on while he's been in Arizona, has been able to produce. He's been efficient. He's been able to get touchdown numbers. He's been able to get good rushing yards. This guy is just solid. I think he's super undervalued. I think people are waiting for the wheels to fall off at some point, but I don't know. He's just been a super consistent back for a while now, and he's a guy you can count on despite the fact that he's in a really bad offense. My duds in this game, Brandon Cooks and Zach Ertz. Brandon Cooks, two receptions on seven targets for 17 yards in this game. I don't know what's going on here. The chemistry really isn't there between him and Dak, though, and you expected when they brought him in that he was going to be the number two over Michael Gallup or, you know, at the very least a solid number three. And he really just hasn't been there to complement both Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb, well, the chemistry isn't there again. He missed week two with injury, and I don't know, maybe Brandon Cooks is washed. He didn't look great last year, but with how steady he's been throughout his career, I expected that was just because of the situation with the Houston offense. I don't want to write him off yet, but it's not looking great to start the year. Then Zach Ertz, two receptions on two targets for six yards. I didn't expect anything crazy out of Zach Ertz, but he is the starting tight end for this offense. And an offense that's really lacking weapons, so you expected him to be able to get something around five points. Instead, he put up one and a half point. Not a good look for Zach Ertz. I know he's not the fastest tight end, not a guy that's going to get yards after catch consistently for you. But he's a solid pass catcher and a guy who knows how to get open, so... Another guy to keep an eye on that maybe uh, Father Time is catching up to him. All right, Chicago and Kansas City. My studs for this game, DJ Moore for Chicago and Isaiah Pacheco for Kansas City. DJ Moore had three receptions on six targets for 41 yards and a touchdown, good for about 11 points and half PPR. It didn't look good this game, and this production all came late from Justin Fields to DJ Moore after they were getting blown out by Kansas City. Uh, you do like that he got the touchdown to save the game, but things are just not looking good for this Chicago offense. I would fade a lot of these guys. If you can trade some of the guys from the Chicago offense for something reasonably valuable, 
I would do it as soon as possible because it just is looking like a train wreck at this point. Then Isaiah Pacheco for Kansas City. 15 carries, 62 yards, one touchdown, two receptions on three targets for 16 yards. Solid game by Isaiah Pacheco. You've been kind of waiting for it. He's had a couple of solid yardage gains, but hasn't put up a touchdown yet. And this one wasn't great from the yardage standpoint, but he did put up that touchdown. And it was good to see that he got some good efficiency and some good usage in this game. Hopefully more coming for him going forward. Then my duds in this game, Khalil Herbert and Kadarius Toney. So Khalil Herbert for Chicago, 7 carries for 31 yards, 2 receptions on 2 targets for 4 yards, and a fumble loss. Good for about 2.5 points in this game. Really rough game from Khalil Herbert. He was efficient on the ground, but that fumble really cost him, and he just hasn't been getting the carries in this offense, and none of the guys have. Roshan Johnson looks like he's taking over this backfield. He had the most carries last week. He was the most efficient one. He's a better pass blocker than Khalil Herbert. And on top of that, he just had better production overall. I expect Roshan Johnson to really start grasping hold of this job, but it's a bad offense overall, and they haven't been leaning into the running game enough as they should be doing. Um, so it's concerning going forward for Khalil Herbert. And then Kadarius Toney, one week after having a decent game, one reception for negative one yard. Didn't see it, but that's really poor production. You expect more from a guy who's been touted as a starting wide receiver in this offense, but it looks like he's seeding targets to other guys at this point. Everybody else has been out producing him. He had an okay game last week, but that was more of a redemption from the horrible week one game that he had. I don't know. I've... Never been a big fan of Kadarius Tony. I understand that there's talent there, but between the attitude issues that he has and the durability issues, and on top of that, he really hasn't developed because of those things, it's just hard to see him having a real future in the NFL beyond being on a roster. And the last game that I'm going to talk about, because there are two Monday night games going on currently that I'm not going to be able to talk about in this recording, I will throw out a little mini episode like I did last week for that tomorrow. Uh, this one was Pittsburgh and the Las Vegas Raiders, my studs in this game, Kenny Pickett for Pittsburgh and Devontae Adams for the Raiders. So Kenny Pickett. 16 to 28, 235 yards, two touchdowns, three carries for 11 yards, good for 18 and a half ish points in standard format. Wasn't the greatest game in the world for Kenny Pickett, but it was probably his best pro game to date. His deep ball to Calvin Austin was a thing of beauty, and he kept the offense steady throughout the game. He wasn't perfect. He still got a lot of warts to work out in his game, but. I think it was the best he's looked overall. He didn't turn the ball over like he has done so frequently early on in his career. Um, so I think it's a good stepping stone for him going forward. Then Devontae Adams, a guy who's a week in and week out stud, but you can't ignore this stat line. 13 touchdowns on 20 targets for 172 yards and two touchdowns. And that's in a game where Jimmy Garoppolo 
had several of those incomplete passes be basically hospital balls that were trying to get Devontae Adams killed. It was crazy the number of throws that he had into heavy traffic where he was going to get his head taken off. Devontae Adams was an absolute stud in the game. Unfortunately for the Raiders, it wasn't enough to take them over the top against Pittsburgh, and that was mostly because of Jimmy G, but Devontae Adams was just his usual elite self. He's a fantastic route runner. He catches most everything that goes his way, and he's just an absolute stud. Then my duds in this game, Najee Harris for Pittsburgh and Michael Mayer for the Raiders. Najee Harris, 19 carries for 65 yards, one target, but didn't catch it. Not the worst game in the world for Najee Harris, but we're getting to a point where when is this guy going to get some kind of touchdown production and better efficiency when he's running the ball? Maybe it's too much to expect from the guy at this point. Uh, He was just peppered with targets and carries in his rookie year and he wasn't efficient at all but that was what kept him fantasy relevant that year and it's just been dropping off ever since I liked Najee Harris coming out but between the bad offensive line and his physical limitations as a guy who can't really take it to the second level of the defense I just don't think it's really working out for the first round draft capital they invested in him And speaking of high draft capital invested in a player that's disappointing so far, Michael Mayer, a second-round pick this year. No catches on one target, but he did catch a two-point conversion, and that was his only points, the two points from the two-point conversion. I'm just still trying to figure out why they're not using this guy. He has the profile of a guy who can come in day one as a tight end, very rare to do, as a tight end, and be a starter and contribute. Now he's playing, but I think they're using him mostly as a blocker. And he's got a really solid receiving skill set, and I'm just shocked that they're not utilizing it. I think they need to utilize it more because too much is funneling through Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers. They need to spread the ball around. They need to have some diversity in this offense. All right, so that's going to do it for today. Remember, uh, there are two more Monday night games Uh, currently going on for me as I record this, so I am going to get a mini episode out for those tomorrow, talking about those two games quickly. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Check back next week for the same thing, but for week four. If you liked what I had to say, disagreed with what I had to say, or have your own studs and duds or waiver warriors to mention, hit me up at YakFantasyPod on Twitter. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please spread the word about the show if you like it to anybody who might be interested. Thanks again, and catch you next week.